welcome to the Adam and Julie podcast. So we're back in the studio and I'm super excited because I'm actually here with a pretty good friend. Her name is Jody Kennedy. I know many people know Jody. We've been friends for, I'm thinking six years, Jody. Do you know? Yeah, because I came here in 2014, so okay. I would say it's been around that. Well, I remember the first time I met you was around the campfire at Lynette Mason's small group. Oh, Do you yes. remember like meeting me? It would. I don't remember the first time. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, yeah. I just feel. I don't but remember not meeting you. Yeah, I know, but I'm pretty sure that's where I met you. I remember. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that would be about six years ago. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. So I'm so excited to have Jody here, and I know a lot of people are going to want to listen to this because anybody that knows Jody or has any affiliation with King's Church uh, knows Jody from worship, leading worship on the stage, and a lot of people know that she's been through the craziest journey. Um, so in 2019, you were in the hospital for eight months? Yes. Yes. I got out in January 2020. Right. January 2020. Yeah. And you were there. Yeah. And you went in and like, wasn't it like Good Friday? Yeah. It was Good right. Friday. Yep. Yes. Crazy. Yeah. And she's a walking miracle. So she, last night, so this is a Wednesday evening. And uh, so last night at Celebrate Recovery, um, she actually led worship and it was amazing. I had to fight back the tears all night. Oh, thank you. <laughs> because I can't believe what God's done. Like it's honestly, it's such a miracle. Like what you've been through. It is. It is. It's, it's, um, I think I'm still processing it for sure. But yeah. as I am healing, I am really recognizing the miracle that I am. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so we'll really get into like what happened um, over the eight months and, and all that. But your journey like with illness mm -hmm. started before, you know, before 2019. Yes. Yeah. So we share like what I do remember when I first met you is we figured out that our birthdays are close. Yes. Only you're one year older than me. I'm one year. Right? Yes. 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 So you're December 18th. December 18th. Yeah. I'll yep. be 40. You'll be Two. 42 and I'll be 41 <laughs> yes, December 19th. Right. So I remember that. So I know how old you are. And so your journey to with illness started in your 30s, right? Yeah, when, you were when I turned 30. 30. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. let's kind of go back there. So yeah. you were, well, I don't even know this actually. Did you have any health issues before you were 30, before all of that happened? No, no. So you were healthy. Yeah. You were a nurse. I actually, I had left nursing. I was a nurse. Yeah. Yes, that's true. And I had left nursing and I went back to school in my 20s. Perfusionist. And right? yes, I was a cardiovascular perfusionist. And that's what She's I was doing. She's a smart cookie, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's no like little thing. Yeah. That was, that was a really awesome time in my life. I was, yeah. I went to uh, Toronto first and Edmonton. And to work or that's where you went to school? Uh, both. I went okay. to school in Toronto. Okay. Yeah. And then I did um, part of my clinical practice. I did in Edmonton and Kitchener. Okay. And Hamilton. Yeah. And then I went to work in Edmonton briefly because there were no jobs for perfusionist. Okay. And then I went back to Kitchener. Um, and you were making the big bucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> in my 20s. Cow. I didn't. Yeah. Didn't know what, what to Living do Living it up, eh? I had a, yeah. I had a great life. I mean... I had, you know, I 
money wasn't an issue. I mean, I was single and um, no children at the time. And I ended up moving to Vancouver and took a job in Vancouver. And I mean, I had a good life. Yeah. I lived downtown Vancouver in a place called Cold Cold Harbor. Right. Which is um, a really nice part of town. Yes. And I... I worked at Vancouver General Hospital yeah. and uh, I worked a lot, a, a lot of hours, long hours. Yeah. I was on call okay. quite a bit, um, but I had a very social lifestyle. I joined the Vancouver Rowing Club. I was yeah. rowing. Um, I even did a race. I, I think it was called Head of the Gorge. Now, yeah. if any of my Vancouver friends listen, they will know that I was not the strongest rower on the team, okay. but I certainly um So I is there like some... positions with rowing? Were you like Yeah, a... okay. yeah. Yeah, there is a lot about rowing and um, it's really hard, really hard. Yeah, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was really amazing like to to be um, rowing, you know, on the West Coast and then you're in the water, but you you can look to the left and the mountains are beside you. It's just absolutely incredible. One of the best times of my life. Oh, you should post some. Do you have any pictures? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys follow Jody on Instagram but she has a really cool page called Scars and Hope that mm-hmm. I love to follow. So you'll have to yeah, check yeah. it out and see some of It's her mostly posts. about my, my health journey. Yeah, it's yeah. been about your health journey yeah. for sure. And, and actually, so normally I do these interviews after somebody shares their testimony at Celebrate Recovery. And so I'm able, because they always send me their testimony. And, and so I'm able to just kind of make some points, you know, after reading it. But I actually get a lot of your information off just looking at your Instagram yeah, page, yeah. the scars and hope and stuff. And so hoping that some of the notes I made will will uh, get us talking. Not yeah. that it's hard. Oh, I could talk to the wall. We can, yeah, <laughs> we can just talk forever. I'm a we'll seven try. on the Enneagram too. I was going to ask yes. you that. You, I knew you were a seven. Yeah, it I makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, okay. I didn't even think of this. Like when I think about it, I know you're a seven, but I didn't even realize that's why I like you. Do you know that I really like sevens? My husband's a seven. My dad's a seven. I did not know that, but it makes so much sense. Sorry. My husband does not say he's a seven, but I know he is a seven. Yeah. But he's he's a seven, but he doesn't say that. Yeah. I could see he's a seven. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, anybody that's a seven, I'm so attracted to. Like, yeah. So when I first met you at Lynette's, I remember it very clearly. I remember thinking, I like that girl. And it was because you are real. Hmm. Like you have, like I can pick out people that, and I didn't even know, like I didn't know a lot about what you had been through and stuff. So at that point, so if that was like six years ago, you had already been through quite a bit. Yes. And I I knew that within talking to you in five minutes, even (laughs) though you didn't tell me that. Really? I knew that you had been through something in your life because... I just know those people like, yeah, I'm attracted to people that are real. Yeah. I, and I feel that we're real. Like, yeah. and, I, and I knew that right away. And also probably because you're a seven. I, yeah. That would be, <laughs> would be <laughs> anyway, yes. that's kind of off topic, yeah. but yeah. Okay. That makes so much sense. But yeah, we could just talk forever, but, um, I don't even know what I was saying, but so you were into rowing and you were a perfusionist. So a perfusionist is literally the person. So when you're having a cardiovascular surgery, mm-hmm. you're the one who stops the heart and yeah. restarts it. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Basically what we do is 
um, so there's a whole team in cardiac surgery. So the right. majority of, of the work is, is in cardiac surgery. Right. Sometimes we'll be involved in other, uh, other things, but that's the majority of the work. We're heart and lung specialists. And okay. so 90% of the job is running the heart and lung machine during open heart surgery. Okay. And so basically it looks like a mess of tubes. There's, right. there's tubes everywhere and we connect those tubes we, we hand them to the surgeon as in a s- sterile technique and the surgeon connects them to the heart. Right. And then they end up coming back to us, the machine. Yeah. So basically what happens is the blood flows. We become your heart and lungs. Okay. So your, the heart is stopped by something called cardioplegia that I would administer. Yes. The surgeon has put it in the heart, but I'm administering it right. to stop okay. the heart. Yep. And then to restart it, it's, it's, we do a combination of different things as well. Um, but yeah, so everything is diverted outside the body. So that's what cardiopulmonary bypass is, is you're actually bypassing the heart and the lungs. So we are your heart and lungs. So we have to mimic normal physiology wow. during that time. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So how long were you practicing being a perfusionist before you got became sick. ill? Yeah. yeah, not long. I finished school in, I think it was, oh gosh, 2006 late 2006 yeah and then I was moving back home in early 2009 and my plan was to hopefully get on here at the St. John in the New Brunswick Heart Center right and then everything changed and so that's when the last time I worked as a perfusionist okay so you started getting symptoms you were 30 years old yep and you were having trouble swallowing yes and your face muscles, like you couldn't smile, right? right. Is that the first thing yeah. you... I was actually leaving, uh, to, I was coming home and moving back home and I was getting married. Right. And he was from here. Okay. And so he had flown out and he had helped me pack everything up and get everything in the, you know, right. the moving company truck. And we were driving across the country. Actually, yeah. we, we drove through the States. And I noticed we... I always wanted to stop at Cracker Barrel because Cracker Barrel is one of my favorite Cracker places. Barrel is amazing. <laughs> like, it's one of my favorite the places. The biscuits? Come yes. on. Yes, the biscuits. <laughs> Hello. That's exactly what I would go there for. And at yeah. the time, you know, I I just, oh, I mean, I still love biscuits. But back then it didn't seem to, I could eat as many as I wanted and it didn't matter. You were like um, uh, size six or something. Yeah, yeah, weren't you? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, you were yeah. a little hottie. Yeah. Not that you're now. It's <laughs> <laughs> it, uh yeah, so we stopped. I remember at Cracker Barrel, and this is the one thing that stands out in my mind is that I was having trouble swallowing the biscuits, oh. and I was like, "Why can't I get these?" And I had a really bad cold. So, being the healthcare professional that I was, I self-diagnosed myself. Yeah, I just uh, does that make sense? Self-diagnosed yeah, myself for sure. <laughs> I, I, um, it's good for me. <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, I, I you know, I just. I didn't think it was anything major. I really had no concept of what was happening. Right. And I remember the day we left Vancouver. Ironically, I remember that specific date because it was February 28th. And I remember this. And I was having trouble. Um, it seems like I was having trouble putting my lips together. And, mm. you know, as if you put chapstick on and you're kind of rubbing your lips together. Yeah. I was having trouble doing that. And then I noticed that I was having trouble even smiling. And I was like, this is weird. It's like my face is numb. Yeah. And I, I thought... Oh, it's probably because I was smiling all day yesterday at the hospital and they threw me a, a going away party. Oh, yeah. And that's what I chalked it up to. Yeah. 
And then as time went on, we traveled across the country and we got back here and our wedding was in March, March 27th. And at that point, it was getting a little bit more serious. I was, I was really hardly swallowing anything. And if I was trying to, I, I was taking drinks with it, trying to get it down. Wow. And at the wedding, it's, it's really, um, it's really odd when you look back at those pictures because, um, my face was frozen. Like I could not smile completely. And I remember my aunt saying, you know, why aren't you smiling at your wedding? Yeah, and you and happy? I, I was like, I can't, I couldn't smile. Wow. And looking back, it almost looks like I had a, like a bit of a grimace and it was because those facial muscles were becoming, um, in a sense paralyzed. Right. And, you know, plus a wedding, you know, you're stressed out and any yeah. kind of stress, what did I learned after the fact, um, will exacerbate it. But I, yeah, that's what, where it started. And it, I think it was around that time my mother said, you you better go get checked. Well, I didn't have a doctor here. Right. And I remember I went to St. Joe's and I saw this doctor and I was not in the mood for it. I mean, I was busy and this particular physician said to me, um, oh, you just, you have a high stress job. Why don't you do some yoga <laughs> and take some Lozic, which is for your stomach. Okay. And I looked at him <laughs> and I said, with all due respect, I'm an educated woman. There's something wrong I'm with me. I'm not an idiot. Yeah. I there's something me. wrong. And the thing is about it is my neurological exam was still normal okay. and the symptoms weren't completely obvious at this point okay isn't it very rare yeah so um kind of leading up to that and yeah it is it is rare I don't remember the actual diagnosis or or, sorry not the diagnosis but I don't remember the actual numbers but right so he ended up referring me to an ears nose and throat person and then he must have talked to a colleague and um I ended up getting another call for a neurologist okay anyway I saw the ears and the throat. They didn't, they didn't know what was wrong. And they actually thought multiple sclerosis. Anyway, I saw the neurologist and I was diagnosed with myasthenia gravis. Yeah. So it's a neuromuscular disease. It's in the same uh, category as MS. Okay. Um, but it's, it's totally different disease process. Right. And um, there's different severities. And it turns out that I ended up having probably a moderate to severe case. Okay. Yeah. And... As time went on, there's different types of the disease. We discovered that I had a more rare type that was difficult to put into remission. And this this all came out, obviously, in time. But um, they did diagnose me quickly. And I quickly got worse and ended up being admitted to the neuro ICU. Wow. So I lost. I was newly married. Wow. What a way to start a marriage. Yeah. And you know what? Like my... We're now divorced, unfortunately. But... My ex-husband, a really sad thing is that he lost his first wife to cancer. And I believe she was 37. Yeah. Oh, wow. And when I think back now, you know, obviously I was so concerned with myself as you, as we all tend to be as you're going through this. Well, yeah. When I think back now, like how awful and traumatic that that must have been for for him. him. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so, I mean. Yeah. And so young for him. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. So I had lost at that point. I was having double vision. I was losing my vision and I couldn't see anything. Everything was double everything. So I couldn't drive. I couldn't, um, I began to lose my breathing. I was having trouble breathing because it's the type of muscles that affects. Uh, I lost my speech. Uh, it was very slurred. So I might start out talking. Okay. And then it would just be completely garbled and you couldn't understand me at all. So 
sorry, did this mm. just progressively get worse or would you have days that you were okay? And then like, or at did the it time just it was steadily... progressively, it was progressively getting worse. But the way the disease works is if you're in that, um, in an active disease process, yes, I could start out in my morning and feel okay and do okay. That's why it can be very difficult to diagnose. Okay. Um, because I could even start talking in my first few sentences be fine right but basically the muscles fatigue yep and then they almost become paralyzed and they don't oh, work anymore okay. without getting okay. into all the pathophysiology yep. of it but um and so yeah so then with rest you can recover yep but at that time I was in a crisis that's what wow. we would call it, my steam yep. crisis so yep. that's a different story but Wow. In the run of the day, like I, I still today will have some mild symptoms, but I know myself so well now that I know that, you that know when you need to rest. Yeah, if I can take a rest, like, you know, I, I know that I'll recover, I'll be okay. And Right, right. But yeah. Okay. So did they, was the first thing that they did to help you, is that when you went on the prednisone? Yes. Okay. Yes. And did that work? It did. It did work. I mean, prednisone is one of those drugs that... um it's a love-hate relationship I was gonna say I remember reading something you put about like this was like a hell like yeah I called it making a deal with the devil yes that's what I did now my mother hates when I say that but so why explain that because it's it does initially side effects stop the disease process but you can't stay on steroids long term the side effects are horrendous and I immediately, they put me on 80 milligrams, which is a really significant dose. Okay. Uh, a high dose is 40 milligrams. Okay. They put me on 80. Wow. And so I gained probably 85 pounds very fast. Of fluid. F- yeah. Right? Is that and what happens? Yeah. Yeah. You just blow her up. My face, I was unrecognizable. Like I had family members who didn't know who I was. I remember going to a family reunion and my first, one of my first cousins, I started talking to her and she said, who are you? Oh my word. Yeah, it was really hard. Um, so I gained a ton of weight. I didn't look like myself. My face was totally blown up oh. like a moon face. And then they did try to wean the steroids cause you can't stay on it. And I'm, I had to be checked for bone density, cataracts. Um, my skin was a mess like that. And it kind of caused some psychosis. Oh. Uh, I ended up really in a dark place mentally I was gonna say how was your mental health oh it was not good it was not good and I ended up on antidepressants and I even was suicidal wow yeah I was suicidal and I would I would say now looking back I probably had some psychosis wow and then when they tried to wean it he weaned it this particular I ended up getting a new neuro neurologist uh this thankfully um but this particular neurologist he tried to wean it too quickly and then the symptoms got worse so then I okay. got so bad that I couldn't lift my hand to my ear. I wow. couldn't like take a glass of water and pick it up. Like I had to like sit at the table, prop myself up, push the glass towards me and try to drink from a straw. But then wow. I would choke from trying to drink. And so it doesn't sound like much of a an option. <laughs> I mean, if you no, can't go on it, you can only go on it temporarily. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, there are could... other treatments that we ended up doing as well. Right. But it, that was the initial treatment. Yeah. Yeah, and so you went on, so when did you start this plasmapheresis? Plasmapheresis. Phoresis. Yeah, so, gosh, I don't really remember exactly when I started that. So what plasmapheresis does is, I always liken it to dialysis. So yeah. dialysis, they go in and they're 
basically cleaning out the waste products right. from your okay. kidneys yep. because your kidneys don't work. Yep. Well, my kidneys are fine. So it has nothing to do with my kidneys. But what they do is they hook me up to this machine and they're taking my blood out and they're taking out, they're going to spin it down and take out the plasma. Okay. So the plasma holds the antibodies. Okay. So what happens with this disease process is hopefully there's some science nerds out here listening (laughs) (laughs) is um, the bad antibodies is autoimmune and the bad antibodies are what blocks the neuromuscular connection and signals. Okay. Yeah. So they take those out, but you are taking the good antibodies out too. Oh, okay. So that's what they were doing. And I, I probably was getting treatments. Oh my gosh. I mean, I was going weekly for a while. Yeah. Being hooked up to a machine for a couple of hours. So is this because you were now off the steroid? And so this was... Yeah, we next... eventually got off the steroids. And this yep. was the... They did a different kinds of treatment. They did something called IVIG. Okay. Um, and then I had complications. And then they tried different immunosuppressants. And I had yep. multiple complications there. Wow. And plasmapheresis seemed to be what was working. And then eventually it wasn't working anymore. Okay. Yep. Tell me about the time. I remember reading somewhere that you needed to be able to be hooked up to IV, but your, your veins weren't great. Yeah. And then there was a yeah. doctor that I think a lot of us know that prayed for you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I actually did that. share that, that in, in um, the testimony uh, for the church. Well, so what happened is, so in order to have these treatments, I had to have central lines. Yes. Okay. Well, I kept getting septic. Yeah. And so, I mean, during my thirties, I was admitted to the hospital yeah, like 16 how many times, 16, 16 times, times in my thirties. Yeah. And that doesn't include all the outpatient stuff, like all my treatments, all of the other stuff that I was doing. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute, but like even when you were pregnant for Knox, you had complications. Yeah. 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 Um, so at one point they, they were like, this is not working. These central lines, you're, you're getting septic. I mean, eventually it's going to be so bad that, you know, you're, you might die. Yeah. This keeps going on. So they referred me to a vascular surgeon mm-hmm. and uh, his name is Dr. Omatoso. Yep. And I'm, I feel confident I can share that. Yes. Um, anyway, at the time he, w- I didn't know him. He was not That's my. That's Boomy, right? Boomy. Yes. yes. Okay. So Boomy and his wife, Tuli are yes. wonderful friends of Love mine today, them. but at the yes. time they were not. You didn't know them then. No, okay. I actually knew I had met Tuli ironically, just the way this is, I'm telling you, I totally believe this is God breathed. Right. Because my ex-husband and I had had went and attended another church checking it out at okay, this time. Yeah. And Tuli and Boomy were there. Okay. And Tuli, for true to who she was, yep. Um, and who she is today, yes. uh, she just gravitated to me. Oh. And Knox at the time, I I had Knox and we're kind of okay. jumping around I know, yeah. but um this is just how I met them. And yeah. Knox was about four or five months old. Yeah. And she just gravitated to me. She like chased me down and like got me these healing CDs or something. I can't even remember what it was. Okay. And so I had had that small connection with her. Okay. So, but that was pretty much it. And so when I went to see him, I said to him, I said, oh, I know your wife. Oh, okay. And he said, oh, so then he said to me, so he said, okay, we're going to do the surgery. And this surgery is called a fistula surgery. Right. And basically it's the same thing they do for dialysis patients. They, it's like connecting an artery to a vein. And so they can access you better. Yes. So they did the surgery and it didn't take. Okay. It, it worked once, I think. They were able to do it once. So I went back into his office. And that happens after you've been septic and on prednisone yes, and steroids, yes, your veins yes. are just shot. Right. And so he said to me, he said, I know you're a believer. He said, would you mind if I prayed for you? Mm. I said, no, I don't mind at all. So he prayed for me in his office. That's so crazy. 
cool. And I mean, I didn't even know the guy. Yeah. And uh, he prayed for me in his office and he prayed that there would be a viable vein available because he said right now there's none. And he said that he could do another surgery. Okay. So he sent me away for more tests anyway, back to his office. And he said, well, you won't believe it, but there's a vein. That's so cool. And it was then, and I, I said this actually in my testimony that I recognized, maybe, I don't know if I recognized it immediately, but I definitely recognize it now that God was in the little things. Like uh, yeah. even how I met that, like the whole oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. It's so cool. Like after time goes where you can look back on oh, yes. like an example like that and just. And they're a significant part of my life today. Yeah. The, the, those oh, people. absolutely. Yeah. So he did the surgery and it was successful. It actually, the fistula still works. Okay. I haven't used it in a long, long time. Right. But it still works and it was successful. And that was able to get me um, away from having the central lines. Okay. Yeah. So you're now in remission. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been in remission? Um, like you say, like you feel coming on a little bit. Yeah, sometimes. I, I get some mild symptoms, okay. but I, I do know it pretty well. I have been in remission for, oh gosh, a few years. It was my late thirties, I think that I got okay. into full remission. So do you have to have treatment now? Like do you have no, to? So what they ended up doing is, um, because I was a very complicated case Yeah, and had complications with every type of medicine going like right. you name it yeah and I had the complication and like severe complications yes. and I ended up um getting approved for a chemotherapy drug okay and that drug was known to put people with myasthenia gravis into remission okay so that's what I started getting and that's what put me into remission oh, okay yeah oh that's awesome okay yeah so little Knox, he yeah. is so sweet. I love Knox. Mm-hmm. He's in grade three. Three, yeah, yeah. grade three, wow. French immersion. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. So does he go to Chris Pam? Rossi. Rossi, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. Anyway, he's such a precious boy. So even when you were pregnant for him, yeah, you were in the hospital with I was. complications. Tell me about yeah. that. So I was 34 when I got pregnant, yeah. and nobody said that I couldn't get pregnant, but... Right. They did advise me since not to get pregnant again, but yeah. Uh, so I got pregnant and I I felt great in the first trimester and then second trimester because I had been in in a controlled remission, right, right. And then I started losing my swallowing, oh. and so they ended up having and this is before I had the fistula surgery, mm-hmm. so they had to put a central line in, and I had to get plasmapheresis treatments, and I ended up septic, like wow. really really sick at like twenty three or twenty four weeks pregnant. Wow. And so they admitted me and I ended up, this is, it's just amazing. So once we jump ahead to like what happened last year, but at the time they consulted a, an infectious disease specialist okay, because yeah. that's what you do for these yeah. infections. And this man ended up being a big part of my life last year. So I, this was back in 2011 or 2012. Okay. Yeah. And I so he that's when I first met him Dr. Webster's okay name. yep and anybody who knows him just knows he's just a wonderful wonderful man okay and so they gave me antibiotics and all that and watched the baby and I got through it and then I they just thought we're just gonna let the myasthenia happen see what happens well yep. I ended up getting um symptoms again they put another central line in and then I ended up with uh pneumonia I got shingles. Oh my goodness! And a shingles. Of shingles while I was pregnant. Like, is that just why? Like, was, why did you get shingles? Because my immune system. Oh, okay. so I had okay. no immune it system. It made you more susceptible. Yeah, and you're then. already okay. Yeah, and then I. 
That's insane. Yeah. And a couple blood transfusions. And then I got septic again oh my at the God, end of the pregnancy, Chinese. like 37 weeks. Oh. And they admitted me again. And then he stopped growing. And so, um, you know, this is a, obviously a, there's so many details here, but they eventually got the infection somewhat under control, decided they needed to take or induce me. And it was a very controlled induction because of the situation. And even even while I was in labor, um, like after the epidural, I I started becoming unconscious. Like my blood pressure was in the sixties. Oh, oh my gosh, it was it was quite a you quite a ride. Dear. But anyway, I had a a baby boy who he was small. He was five eight, oh. but healthy, and he is eight years old today, and he's thriving. And, and he's I, awesome. Yeah, I believe he's my miracle baby. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. That's, that's crazy. So I don't know this about you. When did you become a believer? Was it when you were like, your, your parents are Christians, yes. right? Yeah. And, um, were you like, when did you become a believer? I were was raised young? in the church Yep. and I was raised in a Pentecostal church. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I was, you know, seven, I believe okay. I was baptized at seven and received the Holy Spirit and accepted Jesus from age seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I knew that you were a believer ever since I knew you, but yeah. I didn't know like if it was later in life or when you were. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I certainly went through my periods of questioning. Right. Um, and yeah, tell me, talk to me about that. So with your myasthenia gravis, yes. like that whole stint, where mm -hmm. was your faith and my faith was pr was there. Yeah. Um, my faith was there. I don't know. <sighs> because those times tend to, yeah. you know, bring us closer or, you know, we can I get mad feel, at God. Or yeah, I feel like that's when I, I don't really remember it as well. I know that that's when I definitely begin to change. Right. But to say that I fully trusted God in that time, I don't think it's the truth because okay. it was a shock to me, everything and going through right. everything. Um, but I began to, it, I feel like it was almost like my training wheels. Yeah. That, that process in those 10 years where I, I believe to, it because I mean, when you grow up in the church and your parents are Christians, I mean, we make decisions when we're young. Like I got saved when I was eight, Yeah, you know, you seven, um, but with everything that I went through as well, um, yes, I asked Jesus into my heart, but I never had any struggles until yeah. I was, you know, yeah, 21 when right. I got married. And then it's like, okay, do you believe this or not? Like, yeah. And it, it is a moment where you have to decide for yourself. It, it becomes... It was kind of your parents' faith, and that's kind of all we knew. Yeah. And you just trust it blindly because your parents are telling you this is what is right. Mm -hmm. But I feel like for you and I, I mean, we both, it our trouble both started when we first got married. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yours were health issues. Yeah. Mine, my husband was a drug yeah. addict that I didn't know about. Yeah. But it was like for both of us, we grew up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm accepted our parents faith and then okay we're off on our own mm -hmm. and we're hit with yeah like this crazy explosion in our life and then yep. it's like 
okay, is this going to be my faith or not? Yeah. Um, I definitely had faith because I had a significant experience in my twenties that God really spoke to me. Yeah. Um, I would say in my twenties is when I went through the questioning period, not knowing what I believed and, and God really showed me something very specific and that I knew that he was real. So I I did know that I didn't always really follow Jesus. Yeah. But I did know that. that, Yeah, me too. I totally believed, but actually following. Yeah. Yeah. And so in my thirties, when this all happened, I, I say it was my training wheels because I'm, I am thankful that I was raised in faith. Absolutely. I am so thankful for that because, you know, at 3am in the middle of the night, when you have no one and you know, your world, your health is falling apart. That's when you are really leaning on that, the word of God that's been placed in your heart. Mm -hmm. And, and so I was really thankful for that. You know, I knew the scriptures and, you know, I understood what faith meant. And I had, I come from a family on my mom's side that there's a lot of ministers and a lot of faith preachers in my family. Yeah. So this was not a foreign thing to me, but when you lose your health, there is something totally different that happens to you. Yeah. I mean, I lost my career. I lost, um, basically of my looks, what I valued is, is how I should look. Um, I lost, you know, money. Yeah. You know, I lost my status. Yeah. I mean, like your identity, like I lost what I knew as my identity. Yeah. Yeah. And I, your self-confidence. Oh gosh. Yes. Like tell me how, you know, when you started the prednisone and you say you had, it was in the boots, gained all that weight. People don't even wreck like your own family. Like, who are you? Yeah. And they'd say things to me like, and I know that it was innocent, but if I have a word of advice for anybody, don't say this. They, They would say to me, you're really puffy. Like, like well, oh, did, thank you. I didn't you not notice. think I looked in the mirror today. Like, I'm well aware of what's happening, you know, and I, I, I don't know why people oh. do that. So don't do that. But don't do that. No, no don't. But oh. yeah, no, it, my self-esteem was really hard. Now, I will say it. My ex-husband was really great about that. Okay. He never made me. I mean, I was not the woman he married anymore. I didn't right? look like it. Yeah. No. And he never once. Was he a believer? He was a believer. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He never once made me feel that that was my value right. or. No, that was something that was really, I appreciate. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's one of those moments like this is not the life I signed up for. No, it's not. And I really struggled for years Mm. accepting this. Right. Um, I refused to accept it. I just wouldn't. You said before, I'm not thankful for it, but I was better for it. Yeah. What you went through. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that that that's. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm becoming a little more thankful for that time now Yeah, in my 30s because I recognize what's happening in me. Right. That I have a lot of depth. I have a lot of compassion. Yeah, you A lot do. of empathy. Yep. Um, very understanding of what people go through. Right. And so for that, I think I am starting to be thankful. Yep. And I see that... Because what were you like that before all of that? Like what? I mean, describe I was, the way you were. I always was compassionate and empathetic. I mean, I always yeah, had that kind of go me. with your personality yeah, a little bit. But. And I mean, being in healthcare, I mean, I, I went to nursing first. I was a nurse right. at 21. Right. So I certainly always had that. Yeah. But something changed in me when I began to realize that 
there there's eternity out there like this is different yeah yeah this is different and I tried to fight it yeah I really tried to fight it but I I feel now you know I've asked this question many times did God do this to me or was it the devil like what right and I heard a message recently I and you're a sermon junkie I'm a sermon junkie yeah 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 I know that about you yeah yeah I'm a big T.D. Jakes fan yes did you meet him I did that was the significant moment I was talking about. Okay. When in 2005, I was in my twenties and I really didn't want anything to do with the church. Right. I just was like, nope, see you later. Yeah. Uh-uh. And I would not attend a church. Nothing. I didn't go to church for a number, probably the majority of my twenties. Okay. And, but I would watch TD Jakes on, he was on at like 630 on Sundays or something. I love him. And I would watch him and this is way back. Right. Yeah. And. I would also download his messages. Remember LimeWire? Yep. I would download his messages <laughs> illegally. <laughs> download a sermon illegally. Yes. Yeah, I did. And um, it must be okay if it's a sermon. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's got to be grace, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> and so, yeah. So anyway, a funny story there. It was, um, I'll never forget it, March 2005, that my mom and I decided to go to Louisiana to visit my Uncle Morton. Okay. And my uncle Morton is a minister with the United Pentecostal Church. Okay, cool. And I say this because there is a there's a story here. So we went to visit him. That yep. was all. And his family. And while we were there, and keep in mind, I am not somebody who wanted to attend any church. Um, right. While we were there, he came home one day and he said, yeah, T.D. Jakes is going to be at the Louisiana campground on whatever night it was. And I immediately said, well, we're going. Like, <gasps> we are going. Yeah. And, and so... Because my uncle was a UPC minister, right? Here's the the whole interesting part of it. <laughs> he, the, it was actually TD Jakes was preaching at the Louisiana Pentecostal Campground. Oh, okay. and it wasn't a UPC event, but he was preaching there. And so, because my uncle is a minister, yeah, within Louisiana, and they, he was able to get front row seats. Oh, for us. wow! And so we were sitting like kind of diagonally to the front, and when he came out. Oh my gosh, he is a big man. Like he is a big man. He is. He has yeah. such a presence. I was going to say, out. could you feel like the pres- oh, presence of the Holy my Spirit? Goodness. Because I met Rick Warren and it was like crazy. Well, I'm going to tell you, and and I know there's going to be people who are like, yeah, I don't know what to think about this, but I'm telling you, I was brought up in a Pentecostal church, so I was used to demonstrative yeah. worship. Right, right, right. That was not foreign to me. But he preached a message, and I'm sure it was meant for many people. There were probably 10,000 people there. But he preached a message specifically for people who had turned away from God. Yeah. That was me. Yeah. I didn't know if I believed in God anymore. I really didn't. And he preached that. And I remember he prayed, or he spoke about the three Ps to pray over your life. And I still do this today. Oh. The three Ps are the right place, the right people, and, oh gosh, I'm totally blanking out, the right the right place, place, the right people, and the right plan, was it? I, I'm blanking out. That's okay. But anyway, it was the three Ps, and I still pray that over my life today, and I remember the scriptures. He was Jeremiah. I know the plans I have for you. So the oh, Lord, yes, plans yes, to, yeah. You know, plans to prosper. To prosper you, yeah. not to harm you. So at the very end, he called an altar call, mm-hmm. and he actually asked for people who had stepped away from following God yeah. to come up. And, you know, that old term backsliders that yep. they used to say. Yep. <laughs> and uh, my aunt who was there, she asked me if I wanted to go up. I wouldn't have went up for anybody, but I thought I'll go up with her. Okay. I went up 
he didn't lay hands on me, but he prayed a prayer and he, he said, I'm going to pray when he prayed. I am not kidding you. I, I, I mean, I have goosebumps right now telling it. There was something so incredibly powerful that just came over me. I couldn't stand like a up. wave. I couldn't stand up. It was the most incredible wow. power I have it's ever Holy felt Spirit. in yeah. my life. I mean, I was brought up in this. Yeah. So I'm used to feeling stuff. Oh, yeah. This was strong. I couldn't even stand up. My aunt Marilyn is like trying to hold on to me. Wow. Just like my knees were buckled, like yeah. incredible. And I remember this sounds funny, but I remember God saying to me, not audibly, but I, I never forget this. You asked me if I'm real. I brought you here. You know, I'm telling you I'm real. Don't ask me again. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding you. That's what I heard. Wow. And from that moment on, I knew that God was God real. God was real. You never did. And I thought, you since. know what? He orchestrated that, that I would be there in Louisiana to sit <sighs> and hear it, hear a message, God's word from T.D. Jakes, because that was the only one I'd listen to. And I thought, yes. can you imagine God thinks I'm that important and that I matter that and much? He knew exactly what it would take yeah. for you. Yeah. 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 How many times have you thought back to that moment? Oh, I like can't. Like over I the past year? Many. Yeah. I, I share that story a lot. Many. Yeah. It was a significant moment in my yeah. life. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. You, you said another thing that I, I wrote down because I loved it. You said, if I don't know the darkness... How will I know the light? Yeah. Yeah. And that's been a journey I've been on the last three years. Yeah. I would say that that began because to change you, for yeah, me. Yeah. You were saying like, I can't like drown my sorrows. No. Like I can't drink it away no. or. Um, I've tried. Like there's all different things we can do to numb the pain. Yep. But if I numb the pain, I numb the joy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So that, that journey started for really me around 2017 and I knew that that there was, I needed to find a way out of the darkness. Yeah. And I began to bring Jesus into the darkness. So when you say darkness, are you talking about depression? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Depression and anxiety. Yeah. Um, You know, I've picked up those along the way with this and really have not been able to fully, which is not a surprise. No, no. Right. And yeah, during that time, I think that's when I, I began to start changing it. I realized that I needed to feel the pain. Yeah. Because we're so quick to just try to numb it. Numb it. And even and I think I think this is even in the church like yeah. we pray it away and I remember there's an, another minister I listen to sometimes called John Gray and I remember he said Oh yeah, I've heard of him. Um yeah. I don't need my humanity prayed away. Yeah. I'm a human. Yeah. I'm a human being. And I think we often do that and we or we we want to just play scripture over it but we're not really dealing with the real matter right and I began to have to, like I, I started to realize I have to feel this yep in order to heal right and Jesus needed to be in it with me yeah and you know what Jesus needed to be in that pain and when I I, I had to begin to learn to trust Jesus that I could say anything to him yeah I could feel like I'm punching him in the face. You could face. be mad, yeah. And that he isn't going to leave me. That's right. And I, that's where that journey started for me. And I really believe that today that you really need to feel. And there's just something incredibly glorious that happens. Yeah. When you bring Jesus into, you know, your dark night of the soul. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about this past yeah. time at the hospital. Yeah. So you were in remission. Yeah. So this, I need clarification myself. 
what actually started the the eight month hospital stay? Mm-hmm. I know that you had infection. Did you have a little surgery or something yeah. that went wrong? Is that how it started? Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I had been sick and I just thought it was like a flu. Okay. And then I was getting really sick. It yeah. Was, I was getting really bad and I yeah. was getting the chills and it was really bad and my temperature was 40. Yeah. And based on my history, I was like, okay, something's not right. And I, and I, and I was still on this drug, like this yes. chemo drug. Right. And so I ended up going to the hospital and they discovered that I had a mass on my ovary and, and my tube, my fallopian tube. Okay. And no, to this day, there was no cause that they okay. could find. There was no cause for this. Yep. So it has nothing to do with your myasthenia gravis. Nothing to do with it. Nothing. They do think that probably, you know, a normal healthy body that had a healthy immune system probably would have fought, you know, fought okay. this off like, okay. like anybody would. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. You know, I think our bodies are always, they're designed perfectly and right, they're right. always working for us. And yeah. so they think that's probably what happened. Okay. Yeah. And so... Initially, they tried to manage it medically Yep. with antibiotics, and they sent me home. I was right back in. Right. And I was admitted, and then they did emergency surgery. And when they did the emergency surgery, my colon was stuck to my reproductive organs. Right. And so there was a surgeon, and, and this is what's incredible, how I believe God was in the details, because this was supposed to be a surgery, a gynecological surgery, right. basically. Yeah. Because it's your ovary, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but the, the, there was a general surgeon involved because when they did the CAT scan, they thought they saw this weird, rare hernia up. I don't know. We remember where it was supposed yeah. to be. But anyway, so because of that, they wanted, or the surgeon wanted to be involved yes. to check that to make sure it was okay. Well, anyway, so he was there. And that was an absolute blessing that he was there because when they opened me up, I, like I just said, yeah. the colon was stuck. Well, the, the gynecologist couldn't do anything with that. They didn't know what to do. They needed uh, a general surgeon. So if he hadn't been there, they would have closed. They would have had up. to close me back up. Yeah. Call for the surgeon. Right, right, right. It would have been a big process. But he was there. Oh, anyway, wow. he did check that hernia thing, which was non-existent. Yep. So it was just a... a unbelievable I believe divine moment that he was there because they would have just had to open it up to they see would have, yeah oh so he God, was yeah. there and then um that was the first surgery and honestly it's, it gets a little blurry after that I yeah think of I, course I, you were sick I was up on the floor for a bit after surgery and I yep. was doing okay and then one night I had the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life and I'm a pretty tough cookie but this this was debilitating and it was just the worst night I ever experienced. And um, the surgeon came in in the morning. They ended up rushing me to emergency surgery. I perforated my bowel. You did, or would well, that we have don't been know. Well, it wasn't me. Something but in he, surgery. Well, the surgeon doesn't know. I did talk to him about this again recently because I'm yeah. still trying to process everything, right, piece it right. together. But he he possibly could have nicked it. Mm-hmm. But they had tested it and tested it, and it, it didn't leak when they did the surgery. Um, and it was a little bit bizarre, the fact that he could have, if you're going to perforate, usually you're, and it's surgeon-related, yes. you're going to do it right away. Well, it had been like seven days after. Oh, okay, yeah. So we really don't know. You don't know. At the it end just, of the day. That's what it so was, but we don't know how. what sent me to the ICU. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there you stay for I eight stayed. months. I was in the ICU for three weeks. So I was, I don't remember this part of it, obviously. Right. I was intubated 
on life support. Yep. And I was intubated, I think, 12 days. Yep. And um, they thought that I was not going to make it. Oh, like, yeah. There was a I, family meeting. and I absolutely remember that. I yeah. remember going in and... Yeah. visiting family obviously I couldn't go in and see you but and fast forward to well not fast forward but um back to me mentioning the omatosos yeah very few people were allowed in the ICU obviously right. but um Thule was one of them and Bumi was away at the time oh wow and Thule would come in and there was only one moment people would keep asking me do you remember anything from being yeah. intubated and I don't the only thing I remember and I asked if this was true and it was there was some kind of an awareness that I I, I was he, hearing Thule and my father talk and saying something about the oil on my head. Well, I asked about this later. Well, they had anointed oh, me with oil yeah. and they prayed over me. So I did have some awareness of that. Okay. Yep. Wow. So then I, yeah, I wow. ended up not getting out of the hospital. Well, that's not true. I did go home in July for a week. Yep. And, um, I remember coming to visit you thinking yes, like, you came to the I house. was, I was yeah. still very, very sick. Still oh, I was in. On, I didn't say anything to you, but I was freaked out yeah. to be honest. I shouldn't I have been home, you. but I pushed myself. I, yeah. I wanted to be home and I was still like vomiting all the time. I had extramural coming in. I had drains coming out of me. And, yeah. um, anyway, I ended up collapsing at home and it was on Knox's birthday. It was on his birthday. Yeah. And, um, my boyfriend at the time did CPR on me. Yeah. And I ended up back in the hospital. And so, yes, I was in a total of eight months. Yep. Which we figure in 21 total. Surgeries. 21 surgeries. Oh, my About word. 14 blood transfusions. Oh, Jody. And wow. I couldn't eat. I ended up with tube feeds. Yep. Um, How I long had, did you not eat? Like that? Oh, I don't so know. Insane. It was months. Was yeah. So they insane. ended up putting a tube feed down and that was, that was awful. And yeah. Um, then... I had to learn to walk essentially again. Yeah. Because rest. I mean, what do they say? Like every day that you're in the hospital, how many days does it take? Like, do the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, have you the heard physiotherapist that? told me that they say for every day you're down, it probably takes double that yeah. to recover. And that's probably true because I'm, I've been out now 10 months and yep. I would say I'm 85 to 90% recovered. Yeah. I mean, there's still some, some things. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But yeah. So I mean, you had all those issues with being in the hospital and, and with closing you up was one of the biggest issues, yes, right? Yeah. For it to be successful because they did so many surgeries. Yes. It was hard for it to hold. Yes. And I was, up. yeah, they couldn't keep it. They couldn't keep my right. abdomen together. Yeah. And um, there was ongoing infection. So that's that Dr. Webster I mentioned was yeah. like a big part of my life. Yeah. During these eight months. And I mean, I was on the maximum antibiotics like right. you could be on. Yeah. I mean, they were pulling out all they could and yeah. um and they yeah. all knew you in there I mean you're yes. known at the hospital I was multiple surgeons I, w yep. I was known anyway because you were I known there, anyway and then you there was there, multiple so. surgeons involved in my case I had several different surgeons operate on me yeah um several different yeah 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 well and now here you are here I am here so it was Lead a, a year it was a year to the date when I actually yes. A year to the date, date that, that they, I just was that part they of the closed worship, you up. That they closed me up a year ago. Yeah. And then I was leading worship. And then you were still at the hospital. They closed you up. And mm -hmm. then, so you were, that was like October-ish. And then you were there till 1st of January? January. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What was it like the day that you left? Um, were you scared to go home? Yes. I was. Yeah. Because you would think that you'd be like, woohoo, I'm going yeah. home. No, I knew there but was going to be a big probably, struggle. Probably when you think about it. Yeah. I couldn't shower alone. Like 
I couldn't yeah. walk alone. Like, right. and I, I was still using a walker. Right. And then yep. I, I pushed myself and pushed myself. I mean, I still probably could have stayed in longer. Yeah. But I, I just was like trying to push myself to get out. And right. So when I got home, I was eating again because yep. they put me on a antidepressant to trigger that. Okay. And my appetite. And so I was eating again. That was the big thing because yep. I could not eat. And you then for so long. Yeah. Um, I couldn't even still walk like four feet without being right. like totally done. Gassed. Yeah. 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 And I know you've mentioned a lot in posts, like um, when you're dealing with illness, then like you have medicine that have all these side effects. Mm-hmm. Like I know you were explaining um, there was something with your eye and you have to take a medicine and now mm-hmm. that makes you have to peel. Like there's so oh, many yes. things that people don't even realize. There were so many complications. I ended right. up with, I, they had to do a lumbar puncture Yeah, um, because I started having trouble with my vision and it yeah. wasn't myasthenia. Uh, amazingly, the myasthenia did not. That didn't act up. They are shocked to I this know. day. That is crazy. That's eh? that, It's incredible that that didn't yeah. flare up at all. But the, um, my eyes, I was losing my vision right. and not from the myasthenia. It was a different thing. It was right. like, it was going dim and I, yep. and so they did uh, a lumbar puncture and discovered that I had high intracranial pressures. Oh, okay. And so they ended up putting me on a medication to lower that. Yep. And so I could see again and it did work. And then I just came off them about a month or two ago. And so far my eyes, everything looks good. Right. That okay. was a very scary moment. So you don't have to say, oh, no. Okay. And so also you, while you were in there, another thing that you have shared that you really do not like Mm. is this ostomy that you had to have. And so you're facing a surgery in the near future? Yes. Okay. So when would that? A couple of surgeries. So yes, they had to do an ostomy, an emergency ostomy. Yeah. And that's basically to save my life because that part of the colon was so sick. Right. Um, So... I have surgery ahead of me. So I now have like a large hernia. Okay. I look like I'm pregnant basically. And it's because of all the abdominal surgeries. Right. And I have no abdominal wall. Okay. So they need to fix that. Okay. And then the ostomy is reversible. Oh, yes. So the plan is I just saw the surgeon. And so I'm now waiting for when the next surgery is. So I'm all signed, consent signed, ready to go. Just waiting for them. And they thought that originally I thought I should say that this would be one surgery, but they've since told me that it's going to be two. Yep. And they think it's probably a safer option to do it too, to do the reversal first. Okay. Yeah. Then to repair the abdomen. Okay. And that's because if there's any leak or any issue. Yep. And they did it all at the same time, I'd be back in the same position that I was last year. Okay. So that's why they want to stage it. And yep. then if there's even a problem with the reversal, it could mean another ostomy again. Okay. So that could be a third surgery right. down the road to fix right. that. So there's a definite journey ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely be keeping you in our prayers. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it's amazing. You're out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. You're worshiping. But life, like, still brings hardship eh? like yeah. I know like you've shared with me there's been things happen like relationships mm-hmm. that you know you you had a boyfriend mm-hmm. and you know in friendships mm-hmm. that are no longer and so um also don't you're moving as well yes. unexpectedly yeah you left your place yeah by the water and yeah you told you need to move so life still happens yeah it, it kind of all happened at once yeah um I was home a week yeah and and this is still raw so yes. i may i'm getting a little emotional yeah. but um my my boyfriend 
at the time yeah um decided that was it right for him yeah and he ended the relationship yeah and it devastated me yeah it broke my heart because i really thought that we were going to get married yes um anybody who saw us together thought that yeah and he loved my son yeah embraced my son yeah which makes it harder and my son was very very attached to him yeah and uh so that was a blow. And then, yeah. you know, for a while it looked like we were reconnecting and I thought that's what was happening yeah. for us. And I thought that I was really trying to be understanding of his trauma. Yeah. Because he would have had trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And he did CPR on me and, yeah, you know, I was really trying to be as compassionate as I could be. Yeah. But I still had my own trauma that yeah. I was facing. Yeah. And um, so I still, even though it was hard, I was still really hopeful yep and eventually you know I recognized that that wasn't going to happen and so I think it was like in the summertime that I was like okay I understand this isn't going to happen right it's time to I've got to try to heal yep and then in August I found out he and my best friend were dating yeah and that um was really really yeah be hard yeah that was it felt like a betrayal. Yeah. Um, I'm sure time will change that maybe. I yeah. don't know. But yeah, I mean, that's been really, really difficult. I mean, this particular friend, we've been friends for a number of years. Yeah. And she walked with me in a lot of this pain. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah. So th- that really, oh, that really. Yeah, it's heavy. Yeah. And yeah. then I, um was asked to leave my house that I was renting right uh, right around the same time because um, I don't think it was anything I did. I think it was something in their life or situation. Yeah. So everything just kind of happened at once. And oh my gosh, this year has been a very dark year. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was going to say that too. Like, so all of our listeners can probably say like 2020 is just, I mean, yeah. we all know 2020 has been insane. Yeah. And then I think of you, Jody, and I think, but you had 2019 that was insane. Yes. And yeah. then now you have 2020 that's insane. Yeah. Um, and for you with COVID-19, um, mm. you would be more susceptible, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. You, um, you can't take it lightly at all. Like, no, no. So uh, my heart goes out to you because like I say, 2020 has been insane for so many people, but coming off the tails of your 2019, I can't help but think of you. My heart goes out to you and just, yeah, just wondering, you know, how are you doing? How are you doing? Mm. Um, and definitely you're in my prayers and I love you and I'm just so glad to hear I mean amazing thing I know that you've shared with me that God's still moving in your life you say the day after your relationship not when your relationship ended but when you found out your friend yes was with your boyfriend and that was that would have for sure been a bad day and yeah. you found out about your um apartment that you need well it was a house that yeah. you need to find a new place you started your class so yeah. tell the listeners about that yeah, so I, you know what, it's amazing how, you know, it's like a new lease on life. I 
I mean, there's still a lot of heavy days. Yeah. It's still, it's still there. But I think my, you know, obviously my day, I've got a pretty good track record for getting through those dark days. And I have grown in my faith in such an incredible way that I don't know if there's any other way to grow in in this except going through this. Doesn't it make you wonder, like, how do people go through tragedy? Yeah. And I think that's what I started to say earlier about, you know, I recognized, you know, did Jesus do this to me or God do this to me or did the devil? And, you know, I heard this message. I think it was Stephen Furtick who said, or actually maybe I don't even remember who it was that said it, but it it really doesn't matter who did it. Right. It's just, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. And then I, I think I did heard Stephen Furtick, uh, give him, give some scripture about God ordering things and nothing that happens to you doesn't pass through his hands. That's right. And so, Oh, we can look at Job. Yeah. He allowed it. it. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, you know, cause he wants me to suffer. I don't think that's it, but I think we'll know someday. Someday we'll know. Yeah, we'll look back. And I don't know. I don't know why I'm still alive. And, you know, my friend of mine just passed recently. I don't know. I don't understand. Yeah. But something has changed in me that I recognize that I am valued by God. Yep. And that I am still here for a purpose. You are definitely still here for a purpose. And that my life, I want to honor him. Yeah. And live it for how Jesus told us to live our lives. Yeah. And this has been an absolute complete change in me. Not that I wasn't, you know, never believed that it's just, there's something so different now and how everything I do yeah. and everything I think that, you know, there is a bigger issue. There's a bigger yep. message here. Right. Yep. And I don't know how anybody can go through any type of tragedy, any type of thing without, knowing jesus right Uh, i don't know i know no one's around yeah when i was going to the or for the 20th time right it it was it's you and jesus it's me and jesus and i mean i would i would i actually visualize i i believe in visualization and i visualize in my mind being with jesus in my hardest times i will visualize myself being in his arms right with him there with you yeah yeah so you are taking your masters of psychology yeah, so I re- recognize my healthcare career is over for good. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I had been thinking about this for a while. Anyway, it's nothing like pushing you to do something different. Yeah. I was like, well, it's time to continue on. And so I am currently studying my master's in counseling psychology. That is so amazing. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, I think in time we'll look back and see like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Because I can so see you doing that. I think hmm. that's... Like, I think I texted you the other day and yep. it's like, I really think this is the road that you were meant to go down. Like, you know what? It feels right. Yeah. It feels, it feels just the timing. Like you said, like I found out, you know, that hard news the day before I started right. school and it's just the timing of it all, how it's yeah. just been, you know what? And I'm doing really well in it and it's considering everything I've gone through, I, you right. know, I'm like, good for you, Jody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So just talk about how has all of this experience changed you? I know you've said things like you've gained the gift of goodbye. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You've said your tolerance for bullcrap, you might have used a different word, is low. (laughs) Yeah, I probably did. (laughs) 
Um, that just that just seems to go hand in hand with people that have been through stuff. Like yeah, and and do you see it that way? You know, every day is like your time. Yeah, is you know what you this just has taught me. I don't think I valued myself before this. Yeah, okay, this has taught me that. I'm valuable as a person yes, you and are. a human being. And yeah. I don't think I understood my value before this. Yeah. And I, and I'm beginning to understand that and understand that my time matters. I was always someone to give myself away and give the time, right, right. Give, like, yeah. you know, and just, and I, and always be the forgiving one. And, and not that I think that you don't need to be the forgiving one. Obviously right. we want to be forgiving like Jesus told yeah. us to, but I also recognize that boundaries yes. and that, I really don't, I just can't, I don't relate to people who don't have a pain story. Yeah. And that's just where I'm called to be, I think. Yeah. it It's just, we're all called in different ways. And yeah. the people that I connect with are people that have a pain story. Yeah. And either they're in it now or, and growth mindset is very yeah. important to me, yeah. a growth mindset. Yep. And so I've just learned to value my time. Yep. To protect myself first yeah because if I'm gonna be do any good for 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 God yeah I need to be taken care of yeah and I never did that before I always like would just you know for everyone else and I think that we missed that and you know Jesus says love your neighbor as you love yourself yeah absolutely I think so that means we forget yeah that means okay you gotta love yourself you gotta love yourself yeah and I really don't think I did yeah and that has changed Mm. everything even in my body like even in how you know I'm starting to think of things that I want to honor my body yeah and everything that I do well yeah you you mentioned that your body I mean you're thankful your body did what it was supposed to do it healed yeah I mean it it, it did it's that's the way he designed us right we're we're incredibly made like it yeah. designed incredibly made and designed and you know, I just think that, wow, like, yeah, yeah, like it's a miracle, right? It is a miracle. And yes, you know, I do believe healing comes through lots of ways in modern medicine and all these yeah. things, but it just is absolutely incredible to me what our bodies mm. can do. Yeah. And I have had a bit of a war with my body about yeah. the changes in my body that's taken place. And now I'm so scars. quick to say, oh, I hate my body. I hate this. Oh my and gosh. Yeah. I, you'll never hear me say that. No. Um, which is funny because I'm significantly more overweight than ever from everything I've been through, the drugs and the, like the prednisone, the steroids, the not being able to exercise, like all those things. Yeah. And you know, I, I recognize this is, it's going to come and yeah, I can see that I, st- I started almost thanking my body. Yeah. I mean, it sounds crazy, but like instead of going into that old thought pattern, I now will say like, thank you body for protecting me. Thank you for healing. Yes. You know, thank you for like fighting off that infection. And exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love seeing some of your pictures of just like, you're like, I'm going swimming. Like I'm swimming with my son. Yeah. Yeah. I was with you one day this summer and I think I took a picture yeah, that's of you. Right. Yes, like, that's we, right. This this looks so. This is like a summer shot. I think you had yeah knocks on a tube and you had a watermelon yep. in your hand. I'm I mean, like, it's a decision to make. Yes. It's a choice to make. Yeah, I, I don't always feel like it. Right. Probably most of the time I don't. 
Yeah. But it's a decision and a choice to make. I mean, even getting up leading worship last night, I mean, I don't have any abdominal muscles right now. So right. I mean, it, it's taxing. You wouldn't know it, by the way, you sang the oh, songs last thank night. Thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, there's something incredible too, oh. leading worship that it's just an incredible feeling that yeah. and I was saying to, you know, Pastor Jay, I was saying to him, like the lyrics of the songs mean differently to me wow. now. Like when I look at everything differently now, everything, it's like, I have this different clarity and vision that I, you know, it's funny. We all started, you know, with our cliches and our slogans. Oh, 2020 vision. Well, you know what? It really has given me 2020 vision. Oh, absolutely. It has. Oh my goodness. So tell me some of the things that you do for your mental health. Like I know you're a big journaler, Mm -hmm. right? You believe in counseling. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, Tell me about the journal that you were using. I, I know you t- you posted a picture. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about it. I believe it's called Commanding Life. Okay. I think. Yep. And um, it's a guided journal. Okay. And so I go through, I've always been, w- the way I journal has been sporadic through the years. Okay. I tend to journal in moments and, yep. um, you know, sporadically dump my feelings out and then I might not even write in it again. But this guided journal was just something that I really wanted to get. And every day there's like a, a really encouraging quote at the top. Okay. And you started out in gratitude. Every ah, single okay. day you yeah, start out I love that. in gratitude. What are you thankful for? Yes. And then it asks you, um, you know, what are you going to do today? Like what what great thing are you going to do today? Yeah. It's a really encouraging with the basis of, of gratitude. Yes. And so I really believe in gratitude and our brains, you know, we all get caught up in these, um, thought patterns. Right. And the incredible thing about the brain is it's neuroplasticity. You can change it and you don't have to stay stuck in those old thought patterns. Right. Now it does take work. It's actually, I think it takes about 63 days to actually make a new, pattern really in your brain in your brain okay um i believe it takes 21 days to stop it i can't remember exactly but i I think it's 63 days to actually create a new path a new neural pathway so it's a conscious choice you have to you know commit to it yeah and say i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna be grateful and so i always start with three things yeah grateful every morning i try to and, and if i think of it i try to do that at night too okay um and say what I'm thankful for because it's actually proven to change your brain. That is interesting. Yeah. So it's called commanding life. I think it's called commanding life. I can get you the link for okay. it. Cool. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, you, you talk about like what you, what you did today, what, what great yep. things happened. And, and, and it's not, a, it's not toxic positivity, right? Because there is parts that say, what can I work on tomorrow? Like, it's yeah, you know, but there is, you can always find something I think to be grateful for. And if it has to be basic, like my refrigerator. Yeah. That's fine. Right. If you got to say, I'm thankful for the the fridge that holds my eggs. Right. That's okay. Well, it's so biblical because like that verse, um, when it talks about, don't be anxious about anything. Like if you're upset, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, tell God what you, you thank him. Yeah. Tell God what you need. And then the peace of God will come over you that transcends all understanding. Yeah. I, I, right. So yeah, to start out journaling by being grateful for yeah. something. Yeah. And it does change your, your brain. It really does. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, I'm living proof of it. Um, I recognize that, yeah, yeah, life has been crappy. Yeah. Absolutely. But I'm still here. You're still here. I'm still alive. I mean, I got to lead worship last night. How cool is that? You know, my vocal cords weren't damaged from being intubated. And they could have been. They could have been. They definitely could have been. I was intubated for quite a long time, like to the point that they were probably going to talk about putting a trach in. Yeah. And it's just, there's always something to be grateful for. And it really does help you get through like the next moment. And it's really taught me about the only moment we really have is now. Yeah. I, I really... I don't know what's going to happen next week. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And so it's None really teaching do. me to stay in this moment. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's work. I'm not, it's not, you don't snap your fingers. Yeah. This happens overnight. I mean, you've got to be committed to doing that, but yeah. I mean, and there's, there's probably bad days. Oh yes. Right. There absolutely is bad days. And it's, it's okay. Uh, Adam says this all the time. It's okay to have a bad day. Yeah. No, he didn't, you know, I'm God didn't call us to be, like happy-go-lucky and right. not like we're human beings we're with human. emotions yeah but what he did call us is to be thankful yeah and to learn and to think on him and to think yeah. on good things and to you know it's right there it's yeah. pretty it's pretty simple actually yeah and that's why it's so good to have those habits of journaling and stuff because you yeah. have a bad day and then it's like okay i'm gonna go do my journal anyway yeah and then it's forcing you okay well what am I thankful for? I'm thankful for my fridge, like yeah. you said. And yeah. yeah. And journaling is actually also very good for the brain. Yeah. 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 Jody, this was amazing. And I like I could just ball my head off. Oh. <laughs> that we're doing this. I know. I did not think this would happen. Like I didn't think you'd be here. Yeah, I, um, looking back, I mean, everything right now for me is hindsight as I, looking back, and I'm I'm still processing a lot of it, you know, and I just keep thinking, wow, like, it's a he wants me here for something. He wants you here. And I just, <laughs> I've decided to trust him. Yeah. Even though I know I have more surgeries ahead. Yeah. And then I'm still deeply hurting from some other things yep. in my life. Yep. But I decided to trust him. Yeah. And that it's that's a decision that I've made. Mm. And I'm not going back. I no. mean, I just, and even with my son, like, I used to get so anxious about what's going to happen to him and everything. And I, and I really feel like he's giving me a piece as well yeah that it's part of his story yeah it's part of Knox's story yeah. too and however it's going to be molded yeah God. yeah and I just don't understand how anybody can go through life and not not recognize God yeah and how do you do it like I just yeah I don't want to do it alone. I can't. No, me neither. And you know what? Like I've lost friends. I've lost relationships. I've lost, I've lost, you know, there was people in my life before that really stopped showing up in my life during this. Yeah. And you know, I'm learning to say, okay, that, that, that's, that's their stuff that they have to work through. And 
you realize when you have nothing left, you feel like you have nothing. I mean, I lost my home, my career, my right. money, my yeah, like I've lost so many things. And I'm not saying that everything was done to me, right? But maybe everything was done for me. Yeah. And wow. um, I just I choose to keep trusting. Um, I choose to keep moving forward. Yeah. And I choose, I will always have hope. Yeah. Yeah. There's always hope. Yeah. And his name is Jesus. Yeah, it is. Yeah. His name is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love you, Jody. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect to be crying in any. Yeah. I kind of figured I would. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening. Again, um, you can find Jody on Instagram, Scars for Hope. You should follow her journey. She's very Scars and Hope. Scars and Hope. Thank you for correcting me. Um, But yeah, this woman's amazing. And I'm sure everybody else agrees that we are so excited to see the rest of your journey, what's going to happen here on out. Um, Yeah, you're an amazing lady. Thank you. I appreciate you. You're supposed to be here. Thanks, everyone.